Welcome to Just Go Grind, a show that focuses on helping you launch and grow a business and navigate the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Justin Gordon, and in this episode, we have Renee Graham, who is the founder and CEO of Renzo Box. And Renzo Box is a sophisticated beauty platform that utilizes modular design for combining multiple makeup brands in a refillable travel-ready case. There's a lot behind how this company came to be, how she got started, figured out manufacturing. And in this episode, we go through all of that and much, much more to get to the point where she's at now with Renzo Box and really a huge future ahead for the company. As always, the show notes are at justgogrind.com slash podcast, and you can support the show, leave a rating and review over an Apple podcast. And my weekly newsletter, which comes out every Friday, has different company suggestions, different side hustle ideas, and much more can be found at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. Without further ado, here is Renee Graham, the founder and CEO of Renzo Box. Renee, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yes. And great to have you on. Excited to talk all about Renzo Box and your journey and your awesome architect. There's so much to it. So what I want to start with is with Renzo Box, like where did the idea for this even first come for you? Yeah. The Renzo Box came from my frustration with my own makeup routine, quite honestly, my own makeup bag. Uh, this is an idea that came to me while I was um, in transit um, in grad <laughs> school. I was sitting on a train on my way to, I worked and went to school at the same time, and I was touching up my makeup um, on my way to, you know, my job that I was working. Um, I was working in an architecture firm while I was getting my master's degree, and um, I pulled up my makeup bag, was touching up my makeup, and, um, you know, notoriously, I think we all do this when we're putting on makeup, or, well, perhaps you don't know this exactly. But <laughs> Enlighten <laughs> well, me, I'm listening. Yes, any of the women that are listening will will, will probably be shaking their heads and nodding their heads at this. Um, you know, we're like digging through this makeup bag full of a bunch of junk and you can never find the thing that you're looking for. So you kind of like dump all this stuff out. So I did that. I dumped it out on the seat next to me. And um, as, as soon as I did that, the, the train kind of did this little jolt and all oh. of my stuff just goes like flying all over the train. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> So I'm running around like a fool, picking picking all this stuff up, and I'm going, you know, as I'm putting myself back together and putting all this stuff away, I'm going, there's got to be a better way for this, you know? Um, and I'm looking at the products, and there's just, like, redundancy and packaging, and there's, you know, like, a palette that has six colors, but I'm really only using two, and just all this extraneous sort of stuff that accumulated, and it just seemed like... It was just a dumb solution. So I wanted to figure out something better. <laughs> and that's where it came from. That's amazing. And I've definitely seen that exact scenario from past girlfriends or friends of mine. So even though not personally, I've definitely seen it. So I can relate at least in that in that way. Understanding that that problem you noticed and you saw that, what were the first steps you took to be like, okay, I'm going to actually create a company. I'm going to create a, a product off of this. Yeah. So it didn't, it didn't really start in terms of like, Hey, I want to create a company for me. Um, you know, because I'm an architect, my background, like my first instinct is to think through problems spatially and designing it. Right. So for me, the beginning of this, this company was a project about solving a problem in three dimensions. Yeah. And I came up with a concept of the modularity and I just wanted to, like, it was my own sort of like, I just want to test it and see if this will work, you know? 
So I did some digital models and some physical models and like did some 3D printing and stuff. Um, and then the next step was just starting to ask all of my girlfriends, like anybody, like literally anybody that would sit <laughs> down and talk to me about their makeup. I'm just like bugging people and, and, and showing this like really ratchety like 3D print that I made um, and kind of doing these these like test fits, you know, like would this work for your, you know, would this work for you? And um, it turns out, you know, something like 95% of the women that I talked to, it would, you know, it would translate essentially like it would work for them. Um, and from there, I, um, I actually took a couple of uh, interns, architecture interns, and we went to BeautyCon in LA, which is like the comic, do you know Comic-Con? Yeah. 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 Okay. So imagine Comic-Con, but for the beauty industry. Mm, yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's like all the the YouTubers and the Instagram things, but like in, in real life kind of stuff. Um, and so I took a couple interns, we went out to BeautyCon and we had no, no product. We just had like photorealistic renderings that we printed out, um, like on, you know, like flyers essentially. Yeah. And we walked around, um, the LA convention center for two days with a bunch of makeup beauty obsessed people around us and just started talking to them and doing a little, you know, quick pitch and showing them the photorealistic rendering and, and talking to them about their makeup bag. And we ended up pre-selling like a dozen while we were there <laughs> of a product Amazing. that didn't exist. Yeah. And just kind of seeing the look on, on all these, you know, beauty enthusiast faces, they're like, what you could do that, you know? Um, and that's what told me, like, that was the moment where I was like, all right, I got to do this now. Like not only, not only for those poor people that just bought it, but, uh, but you know, it just, I realized like, okay, this has, this has legs, there's interest in this and um, I want to pursue it. That's amazing. And we were just talking before the show about doing daily podcasts and how uh, crazy that is. And I'm thinking back to the person I interviewed 20 minutes ago, Zubin Bate from from Fuzzy Pet Health. And he literally said like his first thousand customers for Fuzzy were flyers as he was walking around San Francisco and finding pet owners to talk awesome. about the product. So it just goes to show like that same type of situation where you're like get, just talking to your potential customers in, in person key key thing here in person to get those that feedback and then a lot can happen from that so for you then from getting that that first initial people literally pre-selling from from images you had which is incredible then like this is a product and yes. i've interviewed a number of people who have created product related companies like physical products and the struggles of that like what were some of the next steps then for you with that yeah. I mean, obviously the next thing was I had to figure out manufacturing, uh, which yeah. I knew nothing about manufacturing. I knew how to build buildings, but I did not know how to build, you know, an actual <laughs> physical product. Um, but I, I think that goes to show that I just, I just jumped in. I, I wasn't scared of it because in my mind I'm sitting here going, all right, I can, I can build a 10,000 square foot building. No problem. Like I can figure out how to make that work. I can totally <laughs> figure out how to make this little box work. Like that's my, sure. that's my logic in my head. Turns out it's it's really difficult <laughs> to manufacture a product from scratch, and um, so yeah, I, you know, I started talking to people in the industry. I started talking to um, plastic injection mold manu, you know, like just anyone, basically, like literally Google searching and finding things out. Um, and uh, I eventually went to a um, a convention, a, a large trade convention um, that happens in Hong Kong every year for the beauty industry, and it has like every packaging supplier, every like. And um, I interviewed a bunch of um, uh, manufacturers there and ended up going with one that had been recommended to me that I'd been introduced to through some other founders in the beauty industry. 
And that's actually an amazing story in and of itself because um, <laughs> I had I had been trying to manufacture in the U.S. Like I had this kind of you know goal in mind, like hey, if I could manufacture it here, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, and I spent about I would say a good sixty days working on uh, working with a particular manufacturer here, and it just didn't get anywhere. I got to be honest, mm. like it was so uh, slow and unresponsive and just unprofessional. And then. I found this manufacturer uh, while I was over there and they're, they're headquartered in, um, in Shenzhen, just over the border from Hong Kong. Mm. And um, <laughs> they told me, I'm, so I'm at their booth at this, this trade show and um, I'm explaining the product to them. And they were like, how long are you going to be, how long are you going to be here? And this was like on a Friday. And I was like, oh, well, I leave back to the States on Sunday. And they said, oh, well, come with us to our factory. We'll have a prototype to you before you leave. And I was like, what? Whoa. <laughs> I mean, like, what? I did not believe them whatsoever. In fact, that was, it was, for me, it was kind of like, you know, I, I called, I called BS on it. And I was like, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta see this, right? Like, I don't actually believe it. No joke. They produced in 36 hours what I could not get done in two months here. Oh my God. Yeah. So I was like, all right, I get it now. I understand now why everyone produces over here is because they're just, it's what they do, you know, like we don't do it here anymore. They do it over there. They do it really well. Um, yeah. and you just, it's, there's no competition. So, yep. What was that first prototype? Like, I mean, how close was it to what you needed to take them through that kind of step? Cause I've talked, like I said, to a number of different people and they've gotten wide variety from that first kind of initial thing. I'm curious just like how that went for you. Yeah. Um, we probably went through, you know, I would say another two rounds, two to three rounds of prototyping. So there's something that's very different between, um, you know, like we were, we were at the stage of just of prototyping for understanding like how the finished product would work, but it wasn't manufacturable. Um, okay. Essentially uh, the manufacturable version, you're creating molds. Like what started with, I think we had like six initial pieces, but the actual manufactured version is like 18 pieces because of the yeah. different finishes and that sort of thing. So like different componentry um, that has to come together. And it's not needed for just like understanding it from, you know, um, operational sort of functional standpoint. Um, so it took a few more iterations to get it to all the, the smaller componentry it had to be broken down into. Um, so it was still, you know, it was like a good, I would say six months of working through all of that for, for somewhere between four and six months, I'd say. Um, and I didn't stay there the whole time, you know, I came back and we were, they were sending stuff, you know, Air, air flight sending things um, and we were just going through prototypes back and forth and making edits that way, which is a difficult process, <laughs> but it's still, um, you know, it worked and, and we figured it out. So, And I, I watched, I've watched one of your videos uh, on YouTube uh, about the company that you said you maybe went like five or six times back to China to yeah. check in on that. Through that process, I mean, for other people who are wondering, who are doing, you know, this this type of, of, of company where they need a physical product, they need to get manufacturing and everything. I mean, what was helpful through that process or what do you, what would you tell other people going through that process to get that kind of first uh, workable version, like in a like factory run, production run, I should say? Gosh, um, I, you know, I think I lucked out. There's a, a couple of things for me. I'm actually, I'm half Taiwanese, so I, I, I can speak Mandarin. And so the communication aspect and being able to, to kind of filter through some of those, those things was helpful for me to feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think because I had, you know, a warm introduction from another founder that I really trusted and really liked and really got along with, you know, I was able to kind of get, um, 
firsthand sort of knowledge of, of things that I, you know, I hadn't gone through the experience yet of manufacturing. So I would definitely say if you're a founder and you're, you're looking to manufacture something overseas, go find another, like go look up other products, like things that you like, go find the founder, like see if you can talk to someone there, see if you can get just kind of a rundown of, of, of what it took for them. And um, especially if they're, if it's a product that has similar, you know, types of components that you're in or, or finishes and, and that kind of thing that you're looking for. So like if, if it requires some sort of electronic components, go find another, you know, startup uh, company that has, has created, you know, electronics from, from scratch and, and has some of that componentry. So, cause there's all different, you know, types of um, uh, regulation and import things and, and different manufacturing logistics that have to go around those different components. With that too, one thing that's coming to mind is this was four or six months roughly of of that first kind of uh, getting this product out there. Then at that time, I mean, are you working as an architect at the time full time? Are you doing like when, when what's the current like job status? What was that situation, especially <laughs> when you're getting started here? Yeah, I was uh, I was definitely still working on architecture projects. <laughs> okay. um, so I would be I, I actually very distinctly remember being on a flight going from DFW to Hong, like direct DFW to Hong Kong. And I'm sitting yep. like, you know, in the, the cheap seats in the, there's like have us packed in there like sardines. <laughs> and I have my, I have my laptop out. Cause I, I had a deadline, you know, it's like an 18 hour flight or something. And I had a, I had a deadline coming up for an architecture project. And so I like have my laptop out. I'm like the, the person next to me is like asleep. So I like, put their tray table down and kind of slide my laptop a sort of the corner onto it. So that way I have some elbow room to like have my mouse so I can do some, some drafting and AutoCAD like while I'm on the plane. <laughs> it was, a, it was just, a, I mean, it was a mess, but I feel like in the beginning it always is kind of a mess, right? Like you're just, you, you got to get a little bit of, you got to, you know, you do what you have to do to kind of get, get everything done. And if it's like, if that's, if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. And I got through it, you know, I, I survived, um, <laughs> got a little less sleep and, and had to figure some things out along the way, but you, you get it. You so, figure it out. I mean, to that point, I mean, I, I assume you're full-time into rental box at this point. Yes. Okay. And yeah. how long from the beginning to going full-time was it between, before you ended up going like full-time into, into rental box? Um, let's see. Um, I moved full time into Renzo box whenever we started, whenever we like started sales, when we launched. So the, so the sequence, the order of operations was like, um, you know, we did the, went to BeautyCon, started figuring out manufacturing. It took, you know, four to six months to figure out that process. And then I, once I figured out that took, that told me how much I had to raise, right? Like I didn't know how much it was going to cost to create this product whatsoever. I didn't know what the, they can't even give you real quotes on like the molds, um, the mold fees and like, um, you know, what a run, what the run is going to cost and that sort of stuff, like the minimum order quantity, anything like that. So that gave me the opportunity to understand. And that's why I had to continue doing architecture is because, you know, I needed to be able to pay for all those flights over there. I need, I wasn't bringing in revenue for Renzo box yet. Right. Yeah. Um, but I had to learn all that stuff to kind of get the initial quotes. Um, and then I knew from there, like how much I had to raise. So uh, I raised an initial uh, from angel investors, um, you know, 250K in debt and equity. And um, that got us through that initial run. So it paid for the mold fees. It paid for, um, you know, the initial run of product, getting things imported, uh, some marketing and that sort of stuff just to, to like get us, you know, going. So that happened um, like late 2018. Um, and we started sales in that initial run. 
that's a long answer to the question. That's when I moved to um, full-time Renzo Box was when we when we started that sale process. Oh, that's perfect. No, I think it's yeah. always great to have that context, and especially for people who either you know are, are building something right now and are not full time yet, or yeah. for people who you know are, are kind of contemplating that. I think it's always nice to hear because like we don't always hear that. Like, okay, but in the early days, like, were you like doing full time, or did you quit your job? Like, you know, what did you do? So I love hearing that. And and with that two hundred fifty k, I'm raising that from from angels. Take me through how that went for you, especially being. I mean this is a new product. There's so many things with it. Like how was that fundraising with that first kind of initial capital? Yeah. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was lucky in that I was talking to a lot of people, um, in my network just about what I was doing. People are super curious. I mean, like, what is this architect doing? Like traveling all to China and like doing like, what is this product, et cetera. So, um, and the other, the other side of it is I, I've, I had developed like a decent network of, uh, I would say just high net wealth individuals. Um, being an architect, you know, you're typically in the in the residential um, and space. You're dealing with people who have you know a bit of expendable income to like hire an architect to design their home right. or design their. So you know, I had a I had a sort of network of of people there, um, which by the way didn't like there was one person who was it was not clean by any stretch of the imagination. Like I had one um, really high net wealth individual who was supposed to invest and then pulled out at the last minute. Like there's th- like this, these things happen. Um, so I, I guess with that, you know, talking to um, have, having that network um, and then also with my architecture background had moved into doing some real estate development as well. And so I had people kind of in those circles that knew I was doing something outside of, you know, my typical architectural stuff. And they were curious and they were asking and I would just sort of, you know, just keep them in the loop of what's going on. And they would tell someone else and like, oh, I told my wife about what you're doing. Oh, like I told my colleague about this and I showed, you know, so-and-so and and that's really interesting. And I think you should talk to so-and-so and that, you know, leads one thing to another. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and actually, um, you know, one of those ended up kind of circling me back to, some folks that I knew, you know, when I was growing up in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And that's where, that's where like the first check came in. And then the, that person brought in, you know, four other people and that was it. Like that, the round was done. <laughs> so <laughs> it, it's, it's interesting, like how these things kind of coalesce, but the idea of the network, the idea about communicating your product and your idea and what you're doing, um, that is for sure holds true. How long was that process for you for fundraising? Um, you know, I, I couldn't, I can't put an exact timeline on it because even while I was traveling back and forth to China, I wasn't fund, I wasn't quote unquote fundraising at that moment. Um, but I was talking to a lot of people, right. I knew that yeah. at some point I was going to have to like ask for money. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it, in reality at three months from the time I started asking for money, but, um, you know, if you really want to talk about, the building those relationships, I was doing that for, you know, at least a year or two prior to that, you know, yeah, like I said, yeah. these are, these were relationships that were built over time. So, um, of course, I guess what I would say to that is like, look at your network, right. When you're, when you're thinking about fundraising, like these are people who you already know and they trust you. Like they've, they've known you for years and years. Right. So like, um, that's, um, that would be my, my thought when I'm looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, I didn't even know that I should have been doing that, but that's definitely what you do at that that point. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it goes to show, I mean, the value of the network and, and just cultivating that over time. It's like 
it's before you need it, just being yes. helpful and staying in touch. And like, I've heard that story kind of over and over again with people of like, yeah, I had been building a network through their other job or through whatever, you know, just showcasing that, you know, you're the type of person that once you do start like, oh yeah, like they believe in you. Like, oh, Renee, like, yeah, I will invest in it. Like, and yeah. it's obviously a lot, a lot to get to that point. I mean, even again, like I said, I just did an interview and he had done a hundred plus you know, meetings with investors to get his first checks uh, as a first time founder. So like, it takes a lot of meetings, and a lot of yes. stuff like networking along the way for sure. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And and then from that point, so once you get that funding and you can actually make the product and <laughs> not just sell for these in person to 12 people, take me through when the product was live. So Renzo Box was live, available, people could buy it, like those initial sales there, like how did that go for you? Yeah, it um it went great. We actually pre-sold out. So that was exciting. Um and um and then kind of like so we had time to to figure out the rest of the manufacturing stuff. Um we pre-sold out and, and the plan was, you know, do a set number of units and then uh the business model for Renzo Box um is very different from a typical typical product. Uh we we're we're more in more in the razor and blade sort of model, um, or the printer and printer ink model. Um so you buy the Renzo box and, and then you order the, the pods that go inside the Renzo pods. So these are modular units that you can mix and match. Um, and whenever you run out of a particular makeup product, like you just pop that pod out and re replace it with a new one. So it's this refillable sort of model. Um, and so the idea is like, let's get these units out there. And then we need to test, like, are the customers really going to buy, purchase the pods and are they going to reorder Right. Like that's the, that's the model, right. We need them to order yeah. and then reorder. Yeah. So I'm just thinking about like, you said you have different pods within like people can choose from then yes. with the different products and producing those, I mean, with, with the numbers and quantities being different potentially between people choosing which ones, like, I'm just curious like, how logistically difficult that is uh, to pull off from a manufacturing for yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. From an inventory standpoint, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, we kind of in in the beginning we I mean, this for the for that initial um, uh, round of customers, we basically faked it. Um, we we hacked it, like we, <laughs> <laughs> which is Love right. Whatever whatever every startup does. So the the point is is that you can mix and match products from different brands, like on yeah. the. Um, the the point uh, the, the typical customer behavior when it comes to makeup is we on average we wear six products from five different brands um so that mix and match and sort of blending of, of different products it just it, it just is um and that's one of the the key selling points of renzo box is that you can build a palette a multi-branded palette um and still have it all within one compact one seamless you know kind of sophisticated really well put together compact and um so yeah we couldn't forecast yeah. exactly what brands, exactly what products. I mean, there's just literally millions upon millions of SKUs of possibilities, <laughs> right? Um, sure. So there's no way to forecast that. And there's no way to forecast like of all these customers that we're getting, are they going to be more interested in like, you know, CVS type brands? Or are they going to, are you going to target type brands? Or are they going to be more interested in like the brands that you find at Sephora? Um, are they more interested in brands that, you know, are just like indie brands that you find on Instagram? Like we didn't know. Right. So um, yeah. what we did is we just allowed them to order whatever they wanted. Um, and that also removed the barrier to entry for the customer to even, you know, buy, like sign on to Renzo Box, right? Because imagine if I were to, you know, go go up to, uh, name someone you know that wears makeup. My friend, Lena. All right, so I go to Lena and I'm like, hey Lena, check out this Renzo Box. 
super cool, right? Except, uh, you know, you can get these three brands in it. <laughs> she would probably be like, oh, I love it. Cool concept. Um, except, you know, call me whenever, you know, you have Mac or whatever you have NARS or whenever you have it cosmetics or whatever, you know, like there's going to be, there's going to be a couple of brands in there that she kind of is a diehard fan of. Um, and sure. the others should, she'd be willing, you know, if her collection includes, you know, let's say eight products, there's probably like three or four that she absolutely loves. And then there's others that she'd be willing to sort of like test out or change out or whatever. Um, so yeah. So like, I don't want Lena to say no, right. To that initial purchase of the Renzo box. <laughs> right. Um, I want everyone, including Lena to be able to say yes and to be able to get exactly the combination of products that they wanted. So, um, yeah. So we basically just let people order anything that they want and then we would go about sourcing it, um, their order. It goes to, so we'll, we'll get it directly from the brand or from their distributor or wherever we have to get it from. Um, then it goes to our lab and uh, the product gets pressed into a Renzo pod. So we basically, you know, put it into that format that you that is needed um, in order for you to have it in the Renzo box um, and then ship it out to you. So it's super custom process. Is that with with having such such a custom process now, is that difficult in terms of scalability uh, around that as well? Um, yeah, we're not going to be able to do that for the long term, but we can do it for the short term. Um, and that gives us time to, to work on the supply side. So the supply side of it with these, with the brands is about developing a brand relationship and then getting, um, getting bulk of, you know, they still, they want control over their formulations because that's kind of their secret sauce, you know? Yeah. Um, so they already have labs, they already have, you know, this, their, their whole form formulas that they work on. And that's great. And we don't want to mess with that. Like we're not trying to formulate for them. So, um, essentially what we do is, uh, that, you know, work with them, they send their formula to us in bulk. Uh, once we, you know, figure out what product range of theirs that we were, we're interested in having available in Renzo pods, um, and taking on inventory of that. And, um, then they, they send the bulk and then we press it into the pods. Um, so it's very similar to how, do you know, the Keurig coffee machines? Yeah. Yeah, um, and they're and very, they're... very much so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's very similar to how they work with their K cups, right? Like, um, so you can go get K cups and you know it's like Starbucks blends, and there's Dunkin' Donuts, and there's Scavelia, and there are all these different yeah. brands of coffee, right? Well, Starbucks doesn't have a K cup factory, and um, you know Dunkin' Donuts does not have a K cup factory. <laughs> uh, it's it's Keurig that's that's producing all of those. Um, so it's it's very similar to that model. That makes a lot of sense and definitely, yeah. Uh, yeah, big coffee drinker. So I understand clearly uh, what yeah. that's like, many different kinds. And, and with this too, then, how have you been in a, going about kind of customer acquisition, uh, getting the word out about, about Renzo Box uh, up until this point? Yeah, so we've um, we've we've done a lot of digital advertising, um, word of mouth kind of things. We're actually um, between phases right now, so we've been doing a lot of of back building of things that need to happen in terms of our UX and um, some other other things that have to happen in terms of like keeping keeping customers happy for the long term. Um, and but our next sequence is is actually we're we're going to do an influencer campaign. Um, on top of, you know, just traditional digital ad spend. And that's important because Renzo Box is a highly demonstrative product. You know, it requires education and demonstration. Uh, we've yeah. noticed that when we do it in person and you show the product in person, even when I do it on Zoom calls now, 
and you know during COVID, like the people just get so excited about it. Like I can see, <laughs> you can like see it in their eyes. Um, Whoa! Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I saw then, a video and I was like, oh, this is like I, mean, I can see where your architecture background, in terms of design <laughs> and stuff. Like I love things that are organized super well. Uh-huh. So I'm looking at this just from like a, a perspective, like wow, this this is, this is incredible in terms of how like it makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate it. So, so yeah, so that, um, you know, that obviously leads to having people who can speak, who can demonstrate products well and can speak well on camera. That's, there's a ton of them on YouTube, you know, <laughs> yes, there um, are. and, and there's a lot in the beauty space and the beauty space tends to be very much like that, you know, where people want to, uh, see examples. They want to see tutorials. They want to see how, you know, other people are creatively using the products and, and what results they're able to achieve, which is, which is different than say like coffee, you know, like I don't need to watch a YouTube, video. It's, it's, you know what I mean? Like there's a we social, understand. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like, um, yeah, so it, it lends itself really well to that. And I'm super excited about it. We've been, we've been doing a lot of, um, uh, just like interviewing and and talking to and, and going through like filtering through a lot of different YouTubers and chatting about chatting with them about, you know, how we could potentially present and work on this project together. And what's super cool is like there's we cross a lot. We cross a lot of different interests. So we're not just talking to beauty influencers, you know, like people who are just obsessed with with makeup and they, they do all these beauty tutorials. But, you know, like there are lots of, you know, busy mom influencers who, uh, you know, just talk about their day or like have different, you know, mom hacks and how they organize their, you know, what they're doing yeah. for their kids and all this kind of stuff. Like we appeal to that audience, you know, um, we appeal to travelers, you know, we appeal to there's, there's even, you know, kind of like an, an, a niche group of people who love, like you, you were saying, love to be organized. <laughs> and um, there's all these kinds of like how to videos that you can find on YouTube and Instagram and even TikTok now of like before and after and like, here's how, you know, the kind of Marie Kondo sort of thing yeah. of, of, of being able to kind of like organize and streamline your life. So I'm excited about that because it, it, we can reach a lot of, of different audience segments that way. With that too, and with the world of influencers, micro-influencers, et cetera, being just kind of the wild, wild west in a way, and that there's so many different people out there, I'm just curious as how you're how you're going about that, how you're looking at finding people, what you're looking for, because I know other people will definitely be thinking about using influencers for their companies, for their products, and I think it'd be nice as you're going through this and you're kind of thinking about it right now, at least anything you could share on that would, would be interesting. Um, I would say approach it from both quantitative and qualitative. Uh, there's, there's definitely, um, it it is the wild, wild west in that there is no standardization in terms of what you're paying them or how you're paying them or (laughs) anything like that. Um, and we've, we've just built like a huge, a a giant spreadsheet database of stuff. And we started by, you know, just looking at videos that we were interested, like the qualitative aspect, like who would be a good representative in in talking about Renzo Box. Um, And we filtered through probably close to a thousand, (laughs) not even (laughs) kidding. Um, And we're looking for, and we're also looking in, in different categories, right. Of like, like I said, like the traveler or the, the, the mommy influencer, um, the mommy blogger kind of thing, or the uh, organizer Marie Kondo-esque kind of thing and the beauty blogger. So we've been looking at in different categories. Um, And then from there, you know, approaching them and not only, you know, getting their, 
getting their price sheet, but also, you know, making sure that you're asking them for, you can literally, they have, they have analytics on the back end of their YouTube, for example. Yeah. Um, and you can ask them to export an Excel file and send that to you. So we've been asking for that um, and building that into, you know, our, our, our metrics. So that way we can compare and contrast, you know, like, all right, this person's asking for two grand. Is it worth it for one video? What is that <laughs> ROI going to be? What is their click-through rate? You know, how, what kind of traffic is that going to generate potentially on our site? And um, if it's, you know, if it doesn't lead to a conversion, there's a different type of, you know, way that, because you, you don't know if it's going to or not, right? It could be this uh, is more about brand awareness than, than yeah. conversion kind of stuff. So it's about, you know, putting, getting those numbers together and, and really being able to compare and contrast. That's what's been helpful for us. Well, for you on that point, to the point you just kind of mentioned around brand awareness versus, I mean, to basically looking at the KPI, like what are you looking for from this? Are you viewing it as like strictly we need conversions or are you looking at it from a brand awareness perspective or like a 90% conversions and like 10%? Okay, well, yeah, some brand awareness, like just curious on how you're you're looking at it. We're looking at it from both eyeballs and yeah. and potential conversions. So like eyeball, so like view rate will tell us about eyeballs, but then like their click click through rate will tell us, you know, a potential to conversion rate. If we're getting them to our site, then um, you know there you can kind of estimate some conversion rate. Um, but some of them, yeah, they don't have a great click through rate, and that's okay. But they do have a really great view rate, and a view rate, you know, up to like seventy percent of the of the full timeline of the the video. So um, wow. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so I would, you know, definitely looking at stuff like that. And, and obviously this is uh, something you keep mentioning that we, uh, who, who is behind the company? Like how have you gone about growing your team up until this point, Renee? Yeah. Um, so I'm a sole founder <laughs> um, mm -hmm. and I have grown the team in terms of like, we've had, uh, I, I've got two, it was two full timers and two part-timers and we've got a whole handful of interns and um yeah it's been it's been interesting so um i've got a fractional cto um she's a stanford grad and um used to work at google and amazon and um i've got a fractional cmo that was in the beauty space that's been helping us with go-to-market strategy type stuff so it's really interesting how it's it's all sort of uh pooled together um yeah yeah, it's um, it's been really fun. I got to be honest. I I've loved working on this this project and finding people who get you know like understand the industry and understand where we're going with this. And um, I don't know, man. It's it's super <laughs> wide. It's so it's it's crazy how all this stuff sort of like falls together. But um, uh, yeah, like I, I absolutely I absolutely love what we're doing. With that too, I mean, getting people to you know, number of interns, people on board. Like, I mean, what is that that pitch to them? To, you're selling these people on on joining on joining your company, which is like this growing thing. It's like this really cool thing. Like, what is your pitch to them on that? I'm just curious. Gosh, what is my pitch to them? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're like thinking I, through. Like, I just, I don't, I don't really know that I pitched to them. Like, I think it's a lot of it's like. Uh, once they understand, you know, kind of like just explaining what I told you about the business and how it, it, it's sort of like, we're completely approaching the beauty industry from a different way. And when people know are interested in beauty, like they're all women, I should say that too, um, which is super exciting. Um, and 
you know, they've been through the pain point and they see like how this can grow, like how this would solve a lot of problems that in and of itself just sort of is like, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Like I want to, you're right. Like there isn't a great solution for, for this. Um, the other cool thing about Renzo box is it's sustainable because it's refillable. It's sustainable. Um, we actually reduce single use plastic by 80% in the typical, you know, makeup bag or makeup routine. Um, and so, yeah, with the team, it's, it's kind of like, there's an opportunity to grow something that is, is truly innovative for the industry. And I know that a lot of, uh, all startups are doing something innovative, um, for sure. They're uh, hopefully, <laughs> I would think you know, they're, they're approaching something. They're trying to. Yeah, yeah, trying to do something in, in, in a new and innovative way. But I've definitely seen companies who, you know, they, they're tackling like, you know, one very small sliver of, you know, fintech or something like one, you know, one new way of approaching like this really small sliver versus Renzo Box. It, it really is a totally different approach to how you think about your makeup, how you organize your makeup, how you, talk, you know, carry your makeup and how you are even curating um, and how you're buying makeup. So it's really kind of upending all of that. And um, for people who are makeup wearers, which um, is 80% of women, um, they get it. And so in that terms, that's really been the selling point of like, this is a cool concept. This is a cool company. This is like a problem that I want to be a part of solving. That's a perfect answer. Cause I, I, I'm that, that's, it's, it's one of those things where, yeah, when you have inherently what you're doing is, is interesting, is new, they understand the pain points. So that's what, and that goes to show people building companies like, can you, what are the things you're working on in the first place, which will help you then find the right people or attract the right people that want to grow that type of thing. And so yes. I think it's super helpful to understand that uh, for people as well. And, and, and within Renzo box, Along the way, as you've been growing this, I know you're like 2020 Tory Birch Fellow. I think there's an accelerator you're going through or you're starting or something. Like, what has been the support system behind you along the way? Gosh, I've had some really great supporters. <laughs> it's, I, I wish I could, I need to start a, a Google spreadsheet of like all the, <laughs> of all these people that have been helping me along the way. Um, it's interesting because there's no, there's not anyone that is like, the golden key to my future, right? Like, yeah, no, it's right. not, it's not that it's, it's been a, it's been a whole host of people who have, ex have been interested in Renzo box at different phases and at different, different moments and at different, um, uh, different components of it. You know, there's actually a significant digital side to Renzo box that we have, uh, I haven't even touched on. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I would say that, um, and in Austin, there's been, um, there isn't a big beauty industry in Austin, um, but okay. there is a big consumer package good. Um, there is a big tech, you know, industry in Austin. And um, so I've been able to find people sort of adjacent that are like, oh, this is super cool because, because you're doing this on your UX part of the site, I'm going to have all this combinatorial data. And they're like super interested in that problem. You know what I mean? And they understand like building um, a digital yeah. product. Then there's like people on the, the consumer package good side that are you know, they're more food and Bev, but they understand things in terms of, you know, the logistics of supply chain and like these issues with distributors and like channel, you know, like which channels are you going to go into and like the different levels of channels, even though it's not quite the same, but there's, you know, there's an analogous things. And so I've had people that, you know, I, I had a, you know, a, a former product man or um, he was like head of design at Dell forever, um, who's super interested in Rentabot. <laughs> And he's like a total computer nerd, right? He's nothing like electronic, like nothing to do with makeup and beauty whatsoever, but he loves what I'm building because like 
you know, he, he loves physical product and he understands like how this is solving a problem in a totally different industry. And like the component aspect of it, like he was talking about in terms of like early Dell where you were, you know, you know, remember when you were, when you were like building your, your Dell computer online and you mm-hmm. can configure it. So the same kind of thing, you know, like, and you know, he's talking about it in this room, like, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. That's what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're doing. So, um, it's been, it's been super cool, uh, to, to even see the types of people that I just would never think would be interested in, <laughs> in this, in, you know, what is, is this configurable makeup box and they're, they're digging it. Yeah. And it is fascinating. I mean, to, for people even pondering starting something or they're, they're working on something and they're not sure they keep, keep going and everything. Like as you continue to build things and create things and make progress, like people do become interested and then also want to help. And, you know, yes. you'll find that as you're, as you, actually take action like the more you just think about it, it doesn't do anything but as you take action and you make you make progress and you oh you have a physical product and then you, you mentioned the digital side as well i want to dig into that a little bit like what is the, the digital side and the renzo box as well yeah the digital side uh so you can basically think of it as a digital curation tool that couples with your renzo box with the physical product so the same way that like peloton has a as a software side that goes with the the bike right or like yep. if you have your your iPhone, like iTunes is, is, you know, or there's, there's a, like, there's a physical component of the thing. And then there's the digital thing, which is where you go and curate and you find like, I would say like iPhone and the app store, right. Uh, yeah. that, that's an analogy that I'll give. So it's like Renzo box and, um, our digital curation tool, uh, we're calling it in internally, we're calling it Renzo V like Renzo virtual. Yeah. Um, and Essentially, it's a um, it's going to overlay on top of, of, of our e-commerce site. It's not going to be like a separate app or anything. Um, but you can think about it uh, like a visualized palette. So you you'll be able to choose, you know, pick products and and visualize and build the palette in front of you. So like if you have a large foundation pod um, and then a medium highlighter pod from you know Fenty and then a medium highlighter or medium uh, contour color from Anastasia Beverly Hills and then you've got like four different eyeshadow colors or something like and all of those picked up but you can visualize it and and like combine those things and, and see it and, and it's also have the cart there to know like how much does this you know combination of products cost right. um, and then save that palette the same way you might save a playlist on your Spotify right? Like maybe this is my, you know, my daily sort of look and then um, save it, share it with your friends, or maybe like load one from another influencer that they've put together, you know, a new combination of products that they're using right now. Um, And so it becomes, you know, kind of this, like your own profile that has like your preferences, you know, where you can put in there, like, here's my, here's my skin tone, here are my skin issues. So, you know, I'm definitely looking for products that have SPF or I need things that are um, good for, you know, large pores or something like that. Um, and building in, you know, recommendation engines um, where we can we can start to understand more of what your concerns are and be able to guide you towards the products and brands that it will meet your needs. Um, but yeah, essentially, you know, in a nutshell, it's a digital curation tool that has all of your preferences in it. I love it. And it seems to make so much sense with that. And is that going to be like another, like a, to the point of Peloton, like the subscription of, of that to go along with your Renzo box type of thing? Or how is that typically? No, it's not going to be, it, it, you know, it'll be free and available to you as, you know, for, for anyone to be able to, to, you know, create a profile and start combining different products and like building pallets. Um, it, you know, there, there could be an aspect in the future where we also provide additional content if you want, you know, like a, 
uh, a, a beauty concierge or someone that you can talk to on a quarterly basis that might help you, you know, renew and rejuvenate or, or give you tutorial. You know, maybe there's beauty pros that are giving you professional makeup artists that can give you tutorials, like one-on-one kind of thing. Like maybe there's things, there's obviously all different types of content and things that we could build into it. It, it. You know, it opens up a whole other, uh, uh, um, other can of worms, <laughs> but for the, for the short term, we're, we're staying focused on providing a tool that can help you customize your Renzo box. So it has exactly what you want and what you need to fulfill, you know, your routine. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's something where as people are thinking about building products and if you already have a product, then what other things do you do that either one becomes a revenue stream or two becomes something that just fuels growth. And you can see that from other products where you're like, I can think of a friend of mine right now, Austin Belsack from Cultivated Culture, who has a, a bunch of free tools around building resumes and finding emails and stuff for his like job searching stuff he does. So like those free tools drive all the traffic then, which helps then fuel his up the business side, that's the revenue side. And so I could see that clearly being something too with this, which is like the more useful, obviously, uh, this is for Renzo Box that, that will drive Renzo Box sales right. and people just love the product. And so that makes a lot of sense uh, as well from that perspective. And uh, I think it seems like that would be it's gonna be a great thing for you. And and with with Renzo Box, then like what is kind of that, that's you know one of the things you're working on, but what is the vision for the company like overall moving forward, like big vision for for the company? Big vision for the company is to be the go-to place for your makeup. At home, all like wherever you might be, your Renzo Box is with you the same way your phone is with you and your keys. It's like this one of the things that you check off as you're walking out the door. It's just there. Um, and our, because you're using your Renzo box, our site becomes, you know, the go-to place to go purchase all your makeup. So, you know, like the, the Amazon of beauty. <laughs> well, that, we'll leave it at that. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's very clear and, uh, yeah, happy to support any way I can on that side of things. And this always remember us little people, Renee, when you make it big, uh, <laughs> And for you and understanding that that's the, you know, that's the North star, that's the big vision. That's what you're trying to reach towards. Obviously there's the execution of it uh, on the day to day. So, um, I'm curious as like, how are you prioritizing day to day? And just curious as to how kind of like, what's, what's a day look like for you? I'm always wondering on the schedules and I don't want to get too tied up into the schedule, but I think it's just fun to be like, okay, like how does this entrepreneur work? So I'm curious for you, what does that look like? Yeah. Oh gosh. That's a great question. Um, well, I usually always wake up and work out. <laughs> that's okay. like the number one thing I have to get a workout in. Um, was it typically consist of just curious? Uh, currently I'm doing, um, a hit exercise, like a high intensity. What's it yep, called? Interval training. Yeah, hit, yeah. Interval training. Yeah. Thank you. Um, a hit series by Kayla. It signs. I don't know if you know. Yeah. Big yep. influencer in the fitness yes, space. Yep. Yes. Yeah. So I'm doing her hit program three times a week. And then I, um, run three times a week, uh, long distance and one time a week I do sprints. So Amazing. that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been keeping me sane during quarantine. And honestly, like I just, I need that. I need that like space to not think about my business and to, <laughs> and to, to kind of get out all the, it's, it's my, it's my time, you know? Yeah. And then from there, what does it look like? 
So I, I typically do meetings in the morning. Um, I am a Tory Birch fellow. I'm also in the Mass Challenge. So there's been some programming around both of those, uh, accelerator slash fellowship program. And um, so that, that sort of fields in the day somewhere, you know, maybe mid morning or early afternoon, um, working with my team. And then I try to carve out a couple of hours a day. And this is the crazy part is like a couple, I try to carve out a couple hours a day before 5 p.m. Um, where I'm working on, I'm, I'm, I'm actually working on something. It's not meetings. It's not helping other people. It's not like getting the team to do their things, but I'm actually working on something. Um, and it never, it never works out that way. <laughs> so what ends up happening is, um, I'm always up late working. So like, I'll take a break for like dinner and, um, you know, uh, family time or whatever. And then I always, I'm usually back at my computer by around 8 PM and I'm working until midnight. <laughs> Everyone so. has a different schedule. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it is interesting on that side of things to think about the actual hours that like you mentioned, you're literally working on a thing like you need to work on because there are so many other things, especially yeah. being like, you know, the founder CEO, there's just other things you're, you're directing, making sure the trains run on time, et cetera, you know, that type of stuff. And then actually doing the work that you need to do and move the company forward in a different way, different yeah. way, I guess is always uh, important as well. And then have there been any particular uh, books that have been helpful, personal or, or business uh, along the way? I'm always, uh, I'm a big reader. So I'm always just curious in that. One of them is, well, I, I'm sure a lot of people have read, read Venture Deals. Like that's been super helpful yep. for me. Brad Feld, yeah. Yes, exactly. And, and the last really thing I'm just curious about, is there anything that you'd, anything else you just would like to share? Any notes from your journey as an entrepreneur for, for other entrepreneurs out there? People are thinking of, thinking of starting companies, just anything from your journey so far that you'd, you'd want to share with the audience? Yeah, you're going to, I know everyone says this, you're going to hear no a zillion times. You're going to hear bold who will tell you that your idea is crazy or not to move forward. And I think that um, you just got to keep going, obviously. Uh, work, always, always listen to what people are saying to you, but definitely, you know, find your North Star, find that thing that really gets you going. Um, and especially to females, female entrepreneurs out there, I know you're listening. <laughs> um, I, I want to encourage, gosh, all the women out there. There's so many women that have fantastic ideas and um, for whatever reason may not have the courage to go after it, whether it's because of how, you know, they've been raised or what society has taught them or, you know, some other sort of vision of how we think life has to be. And it doesn't have to be any particular way. It's exactly what you make it you know, and, yeah. um, just, just going out there and trying, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with trying and failing, like, and trying and failing and trying and failing. Like, I think all of life is an experiment and, um, it's super enjoy. It's fun. It's so fun <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to be able to, you know, create something out of nothing be like, I'm responsible for that. I did that. You know, it didn't exist yeah. yesterday and now it's here. Uh, it's so fun. That's always been something interviewing, you know, just a lot of entrepreneurs and having done my own different things in the past, that exact point of you're creating something for nothing. And how cool is that? I mean, it wasn't a thing before. It, this didn't exist yet. And now you have an actual thing. You have Renzo box. It's here. It's a thing. It's a, you know, th th that's amazing. That's one of the best parts of entrepreneurship where you, you can see that all this hard work goes into it. All the things you've done, you can laugh at the things you've done in the past. Like, oh, I went through a lot of shit. And then you like get to this point and you're like, this is a thing. And there's so many, you know, obviously bigger plans for it, but um, it's awesome what you've done. And where can people go to learn more about Renzo Box and get in touch with you? 
Yes. Uh, go to our website, www.renzobox.com. That's R-E-N-Z-O-E-B-O-X.com. And you can also find us on Instagram. Uh, same, just Renzobox is our handle. Great. I will be sure to link that up in the show notes as well. Just go grind.com slash podcast. And Renee, thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Just Go Grind. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen. The Weekly Grind, which is my weekly newsletter, comes out every single Friday. You can find it at justgogrind.com slash newsletter. This is filled with tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business. If you want to know how to launch a business, how to grow it, how to get it off the ground, find employees, all these different things. There's a few tips, tools, and strategies every single week I deliver right to you. Justgrind.com slash newsletter. Check it out. Thank you so much for listening. Talk to you in the next episode.